You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you. As always, we are midway through January. There's a big recruiting weekend coming up. Weather contingent in Penn State. We'll get to uh, potential ramifications and, and why the weather has this up in the air a bit. Uh, we'll continue our spotlight of early enrollees. 11 new scholarship athletes got to Penn State last weekend. Hopefully you caught our last episode where we spent quite a bit of time uh, working through the details with Theo Johnson, the top five tight end prospect who is now at Penn State trying to recover from a December shoulder injury. If you missed that conversation, if you missed our complete rundown of each 11 individual early enrollees. I'll encourage you to check out that latest podcast. But Sean, unfortunately, um, we've got to lead off with a little bit of non-football news here. Uh, Caught a lot of attention across the country uh, for a span this week. And a civil lawsuit has been filed on behalf of Isaiah Humphreys, a member of the 2018 freshman class at Penn State. He departed uh, very quickly after that first regular season, now a member of the Cal Golden Bears roster. But um, you and I are not legal experts. Uh, this is uh, different than than a criminal investigation, uh, so I, I do want to tiptoe uh, along a lot of this, but I also don't want to ignore the elephant in the room here in Happy Valley. Yeah, it'd be foolish to ignore it, but uh, it's it's certainly out there, and a lot of that damage has been done already. I mean, you look at the headlines all over the place, and you know the the, the fact that they investigated it brought no criminal charges about. Uh, sort of buried in a lot of those stories. I mean, anytime that you're going to mention anything that has been brought up in this light regarding Penn State, it's going to look bad. It's, of course, going to bring back, uh, you know, some some bad memories from the early part of this decade. But it's uh, a lot of that damage has been done. It's about uh, trying to control it. And, th- and that's really another thing that they, they can't do in this situation because James Franklin's a defendant, because Penn State's a defendant in this civil suit brought by uh, Humphreys and, and things. It, it, they can't say anything about it. So there's really not much that you can hear. Um, but, uh, it's, uh, it, it, it's certainly, you know, it's something that they're going to have to deal with in the, in the office this week. I mean, you talk about, uh, they want to host a junior day this weekend and, you know, of course that weather's coming in, um, it, which might, might impact, but you know, the cynical people will look at it and say, you know, maybe they don't want guys coming in. It, it, it's a crazy situation. There's so many things to balance in this in this uh, aspect. And when you can't come out and say anything publicly outside of the statement they made that laid out that there were no criminal uh, complaints meant uh, brought. Excuse me, brought. Um, that's that's pretty much all you can do. Now the players, on the other hand, aren't really bound to the same uh, I guess standard of uh, uh, of being that uh, the school and the defendants are, are listed. The players came out. unanimously against uh, Isaiah Humphreys, what he had to say. Um, Ryan Bates, to get him going, I think that tweet's since been deleted, but to get Ryan Bates going the way that you got, uh, that that this got him going, really says something. So, uh, of course, I mean, we don't know facts. We don't know, I mean, we know one side of the story based on a civil lawsuit um, that is seeking damages, uh, of course, 
On the other side is we know that it was investigated and no charges were brought. So this is a story that's going to hang with Penn State. It's not a great time of year for this to drop. It's going to hang with them for a while. Um, doesn't really impact uh, what they're trying to do with their 2020 class or it's not going to undercut them with recruiting you know, right now or anything like that. But it's something that they're going to have to deal with. It's damage control that they're going to have to do for the next month or so. But a lot of that is the initial shock. I mean, this is this is something that could very well just be dropped and go away. But still, you're, you're not you're going to have a hard time convincing people that this is, you know, not related or not, uh, I, I guess, uh, impartial to to what they've been through in the past. So the black eye is there, whether or not that it sticks around and becomes a recurring thing, that's still up in the air. But uh, yeah, a lot of that damage has, has already been done. Garrett Taylor, another player who kind of uncharacteristically was expanded on this on Twitter. That's not really his style. And uh, one that stood out for me was Corey Bolds, uh, who was on campus when, when some of these allegations were made. A player who left the program in his own right. Um, it didn't work out the way he wanted in Happy Valley, but he felt the need to, to voice his opinion on the on the matter on Twitter, on social media. And, and, going, uh, and going off of that, I mean, he didn't have to say anything. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, was, was, was passed over fairly quickly, uh, wasn't going to play here, uh, ended up a couple of different places before landing at Rutgers. I mean, this is a guy that there's no reason that he needs to speak out. And for for voices like that to come out is, is obviously a good sign for Penn State. Uh, you mentioned these other players, Garrett Taylor, um, you know, very uncharacteristic of him to come out. Lamont Wade came came out, which is, you know, kind of characteristic of Lamont Wade to be that guy. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's been a really interesting reaction from those guys because, you know, you go through it with a lot of those guys. What What's interesting to me, I mean, and it's been brought to the attention, I guess, uh, Penn Lab was the first to report on, on all this stuff because that's how, you know, it works with the filings and everything like that. Um, but the, the same attorney that brought the uh, doctor lawsuit against James Franklin uh, earlier this uh, season, I guess it was. Um, you've got uh, some some different things at play there in which you're not really sure, you know, it's another civil situation because you're not sure what are allegations, what are facts, all this kind of stuff. These players have gone through a lot of this stuff together. And when there's an overwhelming, I guess, wave of dissension against that opinion, I mean, that I think that says a lot about, uh, you know, the, the, the credence to this. Not, not saying it didn't happen or anything like that, but that's a that's an emotional response that you don't typically see. Yeah, you got a, a mega athletic brand, a mega academic institution, Penn State on the on the one side of this, and then you've got uh, Isaiah Humphreys, who you know, nineteen twenty years old. Uh, a lot of stuff out there uh, on his end now too that that we're going to have to uh, delve through over the course of this and, process. And it's interesting uh, you, to me that the, the first, and I'm sorry to keep cutting you off. It's interesting no, it's to probably, me fine. that the the first thing that we hear about this civil suit is. Um, that, that, that Yitor Gross Matos and Micah Parsons are brought up with it. Those are the two most marketable guys, you know, the, you know, that, that are coming out of the, these are NFL draft picks this year and next. And then all of a sudden Damian Barber is the guy that you're going after in the suit. I mean, that's, that's sort of interesting to me in that you bring up the most popular guys, the, the biggest names that would grab, so to say headlines, uh, from, from a story like this. And then all of a sudden you're coming back on Damian Barber, um, who of course was suspended for the Idaho game. You know, are they connected? Very possible. It's, it's really tough to say. James Franklin obviously will never come out and admit that or say anything like that, but, uh, that's where we are at this point. And it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's a black eye. There's no doubt about it. And of course, this is a, a, a news story that surfaces about 12 hours after Joe Burrow and LSU wrap up the college football season as national champions and um, ended up being a bit of a dominant topic 
uh, the following day. So we're going to put that one aside. We'll have coverage on that as things come out. We don't want to go too far down this road. We don't want to do any speculation on, on a subject as this is, um, but certainly as as you know things materialize and, and maybe uh, pop up, we will have you covered on 24-7 sports and, and throughout the network and online 24-7 uh, specifically. Meanwhile, in football news, Penn State for the third time uh, this offseason um, looking for a new offensive coach. We saw Ricky Ronnie depart for the head coach job at Old Dominion. Um, the team decided to move on from offensive line coach Matt Limegrover after his fourth season and now following his first year in Happy Valley. Jared Parker uh, takes the offensive coordinator job at West Virginia. He's a guy who's been on the move quite a bit during his coaching career, and it ends up being a one-year stop. And, Sean, that means Penn State, for the third consecutive offseason, is in search of a wide receivers coach. Yes, stability really isn't it at the receivers coach position. Of course, you had Josh Gaddis here for a while, and then he left. David Corley came in. Clearly was not the answer. Jared Parker came in. I think things improved a little bit, but not uh, not vastly. Uh, now he's going to be the offensive coordinator at West Virginia, so a nice little step up for him. And now all of a sudden James Franklin's heading to the, the convention in Nashville looking for a new wide receiver coach. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see which direction he goes with this. I mean, he went with the, you know, with Corley, he went with, uh, you know, the the guy that, well, he brought him in as a running backs coach, so it really wasn't completely fair to Corley. But uh, then you switch switch gears to Parker, who's been a longtime uh, wide receivers coach, played the position. I mean, to me, this is a, it's a very important hire. Your, your wide receiver coach, to be honest with you, should be your best recruiter, should be one of your best recruiters at least. So got to go out and, that, and weigh that. And the way that this unit has performed over the last couple of seasons, there's obviously still work to be done. It's a young group. It's going to be an impressionable group. It's going to be a, a skilled group without experience uh, outside of Jahan Dotson, maybe a little bit of Daniel George. Um, so it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough job for somebody. And I, I wouldn't be shocked to see, uh, frankly, go the NFL route to see what what happens. I think that the based on you know the people that I've talked to so far, that's probably the preference. Now, where do you go from that? And I think the first name that pops up is going to be Bobby Ingram. But I, from what I understand, Bobby Ingram wants to stay in the NFL. And that's the issue. If you're an NFL coach, coming back to college isn't exactly ideal. I mean, that's recruiting, that's on the road, that's camps, that's all this kind of stuff versus, you know, the, the NFL lifestyle, which is, you know, it's, it's probably the the cushier, the uh, easier, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure at both at both levels, but, you know, you're not doing as much. You don't have to be on the go all the time with the recruiting and things like that. So I think it's preferable for a lot of those guys to stay in the NFL. You're looking for some sort of stability. I mean, uh, it, you can have guys come in for two years, um, having one guy come in or having four in four years, that's a little bit of overkill right there. So be really interesting to see which direction this goes. I think there's a lot of... Uh, I think there's a lot of balance to be done with Franklin because you're, you know, if you want a recruiter, it's going to have to be a young, probably African American uh, coach that may be a coordinator at a lower level, maybe a receiver, an established receiver coach already. Then again, you're getting back into the NFL where it's probably going to be an older guy. It's probably going to be somebody that's more of a technician, more of a, and you, you have to balance that out and weigh out uh, which situation that you want to, I guess, dive headfirst into because, you know, this is uh, this is one that he's going to have to bring in sometime in January. It doesn't have to be right now. The coaches convention is wrapped up and that's a, you know, that's a, that's a good benchmark. But uh, for this to, to, to turn over, you're going to have him on the road probably by the end of next week and, and have visitors in by the end of the month and see where it goes from there. So I think we hear something probably within the next week. Uh, I don't think it's done. I think he is sorting through his NFL options and we'll see what, which direction this goes. 
Tyler Bowen, again, the longest tenured member of this coaching staff on the offensive side of the football, hired in December 2017. J1 Sider hired in January of 2018. Kirk Sharaka hired December 2019. And uh, Phil Troutwine, the offensive line coach, he, he's he's a newcomer on campus. So uh, a lot of changes and, and and none such more than this positional group at wide receiver. And, you know, K.J. Hamler's gone. Justin Shorter looked like he was going to be a long-term foundational piece, barring a change of heart. Um, and him coming back on this roster and Penn State being down with that decision, um, we don't know that he'll be around. So there's a lot of moving parts at wide receiver. We've discussed it a lot um, in terms of uh, the lack of experience and how no one has more than a dozen catches aside from Jahan Dotson. And, and he's got 40 in his career. So it's not like he's got a litany uh, of experience and coming up big in huge moments and, and Big Ten matchups. So uh, there's a lot to work with. You're probably going to be looking at that transfer portal. Uh, and, and you're always going to be interested in, in the recruiting connections of, of whoever you do hire. You bring up a good point. If you're going the NFL route, uh, the extent of recruiting often is the general manager proposes a, a dollar number, sends that over to an agent, and all of a sudden, a few weeks later, uh, the player's uh, in the weight room, and, and, and he's bought into your program, and he's getting paid well to do that. So different set of circumstances. Uh, we know that Phil Trout, Troutwine maybe brought some different names on the offensive line target board that Penn State didn't already have on there. You're curious if that could be the case with a new wide receivers coach, but of course, if you're bringing someone from the NFL, uh, they really weren't, you know, they were not inclined to care about 24-7 sports rankings or who the next big wide receivers in the 2021 class were. They were more concerned with uh, wide receiver prospects coming up uh, into the NFL draft. So, uh, big decision for James Franklin. I always think it's worth noting that, you know, he, he a lot of the bread and butter with James Franklin on his way up, uh, you know, was established as a receivers coach. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's uh, it's been a, a launching pad for a couple of guys now. With of course Gaddis now at Michigan, well went to Alabama and now at Michigan, and uh, Jared, Jared Parker now at West Virginia as the offensive coordinator, which I think gives them four offensive coordinators on that staff. So we will see what happens with uh, with him in the Mountaineers. But yeah, it's beach, uh, just an interesting direction. Uh, that that was another Friday news dump, I guess uh, that, that we've been accustomed to so far in January. So. But uh, no, it's uh, all the best to Jared Parker. Franklin's got another uh, hire to make, and it's going to be an impactful one because this is one that uh, you know you've got five freshmen, or excuse me, four freshmen and one junior college transfer coming into the program. That's a big chunk of your room, so we're gonna have to see how the new guy handles it and uh, see if they can take another step forward. Which, like, like I mentioned. Not a big step forward, but uh, you were starting pretty low from that uh, from that line from uh, 2018. So we'll see what happens there. And of course, uh, recently we, we spoke about um, this big recruiting weekend, and and this is uh, a junior day to watch. And, and I guess we'll start off the conversation by saying we're we're recording noon on a Thursday. Uh, I guess there's about 48 hours or so until they're expected to pack the facilities with these prospects, and we just don't know what the weather is going to look like and how that's going to shape up. We're talking about guys who are driving some extensive miles, even if they're here in the state. Um, you know, it, it can be a bit of a hassle getting to Happy Valley if the weather is not in a good spot. Yeah, it's supposed to snow and ice on Saturday. Of course, the ice is the really the important part, but uh, I guess forecasts are all over the place. Uh, I think you're going away for a couple of days and you weren't aware of this. So uh, it, can, it could be anywhere from an inch to, uh, you know, I think eight inches was the most that I saw. So I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, it's definitely something that they're going to have to deal with because you've got guys coming in from all over the place. Big group from Detroit that's supposed to come in. Wyatt Millam, the off the really really good offensive lineman from Western West Virginia, um, uh, Spring Valley in Huntington is going to be up for for a visit. So I mean, you've got guys coming up from Virginia. You've got guys coming in from Ohio. Uh, so really, I mean, this is 
is something that you'll, you will we'll probably hear on Friday whether or not they decide to go ahead with it. But uh, again, I, I mentioned this sort of on the opening. I mean, with the news that dropped earlier this week, you don't want to cancel a junior day. You don't want to have to go out there and you know say all of a sudden, hey, this one's off. Because it looks bad perception-wise. Of course, this is the best time to get those guys on campus to to sort of you know nip that one in the bud and see uh, what you can make out of it for these 2021 and 2022. So uh, we'll we'll see which way it goes. But for for now, we're we're playing with the weather. But put the weather aside for a second. We got a lot of really good confirmations for this weekend. I mentioned that group from Detroit. You got Jalen Reed, uh, Kalen and Kobe King, uh, a couple of uh, defensive players. Uh, Jalen Mines, a uh, defensive player who was a teammate with Enzo Jennings. Uh, Rayshon Benny, the really good offensive tackle from uh, from Oak Park as well. So you got a lot of kids from Detroit coming in. Penn State trying to sort of break through. And, and Michigan, you know, not really the foothold. I mean, doing really well uh, at certain in certain areas of that state, but not quite the foothold you would think that they have on it. And Michigan State, of course, you know, they've, they've seen better days. So this is your opportunity. I think they've made a really good impression with Jalen Reed, Reed and Kalen King. We'll see which, uh, uh, I mean, I don't think those guys are ready to end it anytime soon, but I think t- uh, Tim Banks and Terry Smith have done a really good job out there. And Alan True, uh, who does a great job, obviously, on the Detroit recruiting trail, uh, Michigan recruiting trail, he, he, he you know, kept us up to date with some reporting here early in the week on lines247.com um, and certainly indicated that these Michigan players are, are very open to the possibility, some even encouraged uh, to get out of, of the state. And obviously, when you've got two uh, opponents in your own division in that state of Michigan, that's good news for Penn State. They can maybe capitalize on it. Enzo Jennings was a major pickup for them, one of the early enrollees uh, now at safety for Penn State uh, coming in last weekend out of Michigan. Um, and additionally, a name that, that popped out to me and and, and I know we had a, I have a bunch of reports. Steve Wiltfong, Brian Doan, and Allen have done a great job um, and, and kind of giving some context to what this weekend could be. But whenever Derek Davis gets back to campus, Sean, that's one that stands out. That's right. Anytime Derek Davis gets back to campus, you pay attention. He's arguably one of Penn State's uh, top targets on the defensive side of the ball in the class of 2021. You put him up there with with guys like Tony Grimes and Damien Robinson from Maryland. So uh, we'll we'll see where that direction or w- which direction that goes. But I mean, he's obviously a high priority target. He's an in-state kid in, in 2021. Uh, we know it's a really good class in Pennsylvania in 2021, but already a couple of those guys have gotten away. So. We'll see where things go with Derek Davis. I think Clemson's in the in the mix. I think Ohio State's right there. Uh, Notre Dame. I mean, all the usual suspects that are going to be around for a player of Derek Davis's caliber are going to be around for that. Penn State's got to, I guess, convince him that you know he can be that guy. I mean, obviously, safety looks pretty wide open, especially after this last class where they didn't quite uh, finish on a couple of those guys. So opportunities there for playing time. I think Derek Davis, uh, not a camp guy, but he, you know, you put him in pads, and he has had a couple of tremendous seasons at Gateway. So we'll see which way uh, things go with uh, with Derek Davis. Uh, a couple other notables uh, coming up for. Virginia got a, a couple of really good defensive linemen. Uh, Bryce Carter, who's probably a defensive tackle long term. Kelvin Gilliam, Naquan Brown, a couple of guys, uh, pass rushers. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see where things go with them. But uh, yeah, I mean, we just keep going back to this weather, don't we? We talk about kids coming in from Detroit and from Virginia, and uh, you know, West Virginia mentioned Wyatt Millam earlier. Um, so I mean, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to see which way this goes. And then all of a sudden, you've got a guy from Georgia and Bryson Estes, uh, often interior offensive lineman. He's gonna come up. So um, you never know how it's gonna uh, play out. But uh, it's just one of those things. It seems to happen every cycle that uh, that 
you know, one weekend just gets absolutely wrecked because of the weather. And I guess that's uh, that's what we're playing with right, right now with this weekend. Big Ten recruiting, Sean. They, they don't deal with this kind of stuff in the SEC and the, the Pac-12. Uh, it's, it's mostly sh- sunshine. Of course, maybe some hurricanes down south. But, yeah, it, you got to be wary in the winter around here, especially when you're asking people to make that trip uh, into State College. It's uh, It'll be interesting. We'll keep you posted if, if everybody gets to campus and, and this event happens. You can be sure that our uh, team on 24-7 Sports Sports Network uh, will have things covered with uh, reaction and and potential takeaways from this event. Sean, in general, when we look at you know earlier conversation aside with the le- legal situation, when you look at where the vibes are right now with the 2021 recruiting efforts versus maybe this time last January with the 2020 class, and it was becoming more and more apparent that some of those big fish may be tougher to pull in for Penn State. Um, you've seen a lot of these recruiting cycles play out for Penn State. How would you kind of equate the two? It's certainly ahead of last year at this time. I mean, I don't think there's any question about it. You're coming off of a 9-4 and season with a loss to Kentucky. Now you're coming off, uh, you know, an 11-2 and season with a, with a Cotton Bowl win. I mean, I don't think those two are comparable at all. But, uh, yeah, there's some more buzz there. I mean, there's a lot to... Uh, you know, everybody, it, it, it's it's a new season. You refresh the board, and it's funny because we talked about last year how the class that you you know forecasted at you know at the the outset of the 2020 cycle was not the class they ended up with. I mean, you're not going to go 100. percent We talk, we keep talking about the guys like uh, Nolan Rucci and Landon Tangwall and Tristan Lee and Wyatt Millen. We lump those four guys together in the offensive line, and you know, ideally, you know, that would be your offensive line class to add Nate Bruce, but it's just not going to play out that way. So. You know, the next couple of weeks are going to be important. They're going to try and have guys in this weekend, obviously. It's going to be a lighter weekend next weekend, maybe a couple of guys, but no big junior day. And then that last weekend before signing day, and as we mentioned it on the podcast before, all of February, you can't host visitors. So, I mean, it's uh, that that last weekend, I guess it's uh, looking at my calendar here, be the, the, the February's. Actually, I can't even read my calendar. February 1st, I guess it is. Going to have some guys up that weekend, and, and that's going to be your big last hurrah before signing day. So um, it's it, it's definitely a big weekend. You know, you've got three weekends in January, which you can sort of pile these things in. They've chosen to, to go heavy on two of them, and then, you know, all of a sudden weather might derail that. But in terms of buzz, I don't think there's, there's much comparison. I mean, you started, this is the time last year, you started to see Julian Fleming sort of distance himself. This is the time last year that Brian Brett he came up for for his visit and then he never made it back to campus before committing to Clemson um, so I mean this is the next couple of weeks will sort of uh, dictate how this goes but I don't think that uh, given what's on the board and giving the the wealth of uh, of prospects available I mean look I did a big board a couple of weeks ago for the offense and it felt pretty good about 11 guys that you could you know sort of put in there as as realistic top targets and then there's maybe a gap between the next group I tried to do it with defense. There's 40 guys on there that you know you could look at and say, "Oh man, I would not be surprised if he ended up in this class." And and that's uh, you know I think that's a, a, a sort of a tribute to the staff and the way that they've they've built things. And I guess you look at the region, and I think it's it, it sort of lends itself to that. And then you throw Florida on top of it with Jaywan Sider. There's a lot of guys. I think there's a lot more buzz, and there's a lot more, I guess, realistic. Uh, possibilities you maybe maybe not have to reach on a couple of kids which uh you know i think they tried to do early last year to get some momentum maybe played up a little bit pressured a little bit and and it backfired on them so i think it's a it's a different situation and also you know this the the news from the earlier this week aside you don't really have as many distractions don't expect as many guys in the portal i mean what what have we seen so far 
two guys going to the portal and I think the, the walk-ons. So um, it's uh, it, it, it's not going to be a situation where you see the constant, I guess, uh, cycle of, hey, two guys are in the portal, three guys are in the portal, four, you know, all the way up. I think it was 19 last year or something like that. So you're not going to see that uh, that this year. I think there's a better culture in the locker room. There's a better uh, sense of where this program stands. And, you know, I think that the, the changes that, you know, that they've made at offensive coordinator, the changes that they made on the offensive line uh, in the recruiting uh, from a recruiting aspect and from a coaching aspect, I think it really helped them out and get them some momentum. And, and that's one thing we probably don't talk about is, you know, you're not only changing your, I mean, you're not really changing your offense, but you're sort of wiping that slate clean. And for guys that want to see the offense, you're going to be like, okay, here's Minnesota's offense last year. Here's what they did under Kirk Shiraka. That's what we plan to do. And by the time you get in around to the season, when your class is two thirds full, I mean, you really don't have to show them as much as you, as you would think with a new offensive coordinator. So it's not a quite, it's not quite a new coach bump that we talk about all the time with, with other head coaches getting jobs. And all of a sudden the recruiting takes off for at least a, a time period, but it's, it's a fresh slate and you know, you get a chance to reset on that uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And I think Penn state will benefit from that. You and I have discussed a, a lot about Phil Troutwine's resume, about Kirk Shiraka's resume. And uh, this is the part that we're not privy to when they get in the room with the prospects and the parents, and brother, sister, girlfriend, whoever's accompanying them, how do they conduct themselves? How do they get that message across? Not that they can be an excellent football coach, but but be that kind of mentor in that position room for the next four or five years where a parent can feel comfortable handing off a lot of that responsibility to someone who to this point in person may be a stranger. So opportunities there for Penn State and their new coaching staff. Uh, as we said, if, if the weather uh, supplies the, the chance for Penn State to get this done and pull it off, uh, we'll have plenty on the uh, on the feedback from these players on 24-7 Sports. Uh, Sean, we're going to turn our attention again towards the freshman class that just arrived, 11 guys. Fortunately, we caught up with a few of them before they got to campus. Last week was Theo Johnson. We switched gears to Joe Johnson now, four-star cornerback out of Virginia. Before we get into that conversation, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Joe Johnson, the third, one of the premier defensive prospects in the talent-rich state of Virginia, joins us right now on the Lions 24-7 podcast. By the time this episode airs, he will be a member of the Penn State student-athlete community. Uh, but for right now, you are in the uh, in the process of packing up and heading to Happy Valley. So congratulations, Joe, on getting to this point in your life. Thank you. I appreciate it. We've been trying to catch up with as many of the early enrollees as we can, and uh, I guess it's always interesting. What was your motivation to wrap up your high school career early, and when did it become a realistic opportunity for you to pursue? Hmm. I don't know if you know, but I had I spent five years in high school, so I had every class one year. So me having to spend a whole extra year in high school was definitely motivation for me to get out earlier than you did I need than I could. But um. No, I just have to say the opportunity to be able to start early, the opportunity to be able to become my role, become huge in my freshman year, definitely was was, was great motivation for, for me to uh, definitely get out there. And when it became a reality, I ain't going to lie to you, 
it became a reality a couple of days ago because up until that point, I'm just like, I really want to early enroll, but I mean, I never thought that, you feel me, it would, this, this opportunity would actually happen. So, you know, a couple of days ago, I just realized that I'm actually read about to move into college and start classes. So, yeah, it's crazy. And uh, and and it's all about to get very real and in a hurry for you at in, at Penn State as a as a student and as a football player. But what are you crossing off your list your last few days back at home with with family, friends, high school teammates? What what have you been trying to focus in on? Sure, I've just been for real. For real, I've just been trying to you know say my goodbyes and and not 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 cry um and not be too sad. But now I just been trying to see you know my friends here and there. You know my te- my teachers, coaches. You know who helped me. Family members, you know, all that, just trying to say my goodbyes and stuff. You know, I'm not going to be gone for too long, but it's just a big step. And it's just a real, real big moment, you know. So I was just trying to say my goodbyes to everybody. Who's hitting the road with you for the handover to Coach Franklin? It's going to be my mom, my dad, and my girlfriend. Is that when the tears will happen for you? Man, the tears already happen. <laughs> but, <laughs> hey, uh, I'm not sure. I, I hope not. <laughs> but, no, nah, they might. I know for sure, you know, my parents definitely going to cry. My girlfriend, she definitely might cry. If all that happens, then, you know, I'm definitely going to cry. So, you know. <laughs> it's it's an emotional time, and you won't be alone. You're one of 11 early enrollees in this Penn State sure. recruiting class. That's a big chunk of yeah, guys. Sure. Now, who's your roommate? Do you, do you have that information already? Yeah, I'm going to be rooming with Enzo. Enzo Jennings, who, who was just down in Orlando for the All-America event with that Under Armour puts on. Two defensive backs coming in. He's projected to play safety. You're a top 25 cornerback prospect when I look at these 24-7 sports rankings. What do you think you two can, can bring right away to the defensive backfield? Well, I think we can bring, you know, coverage, you know, off, off, off rip. You know, Enzo is a great cover, cover safety. And me, I'm a great cover corner. And, you know, together, I think that's just crazy. We can just... Of just the strength of us too, just locking up one side of the field, you know, most definitely. But now we definitely bring. I feel like we're gonna bring, you know, a great coverage aspect, you know, a great physical aspect, you know, something new, something fresh. You know, you're gonna come in and bring that dog. So yeah, we're gonna come in and try and dominate on the defensive side for sure. Last spring, I had an opportunity to to catch you in action down at the Under Armour Baltimore camp, and I, I, I you we have you listed at six foot two, 175 pounds. Is that still accurate? Yeah, that's still accurate. But you look like you have the wingspan of about a six foot five uh, <laughs> athlete. So I mean, obviously that's a that's a huge tool. That's a huge yeah. asset to have in in pass coverage. I mean, has that always been? Have you always been kind of long among your peers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always been the longest. I'm not gonna lie. I haven't always been the tallest, but I've definitely been the longest. That's one thing I can say. What what does that do for you in terms of giving you an advantage in those matchups downfield and and making life difficult for a quarterback to find those kind of passing lanes? It just you know it helps me out a lot tremendously. You know I might you know I'm not perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. I might you know misread my foot or take a false step, but my arms you know definitely gonna always be there in position. So to not get out of my body and not let the receiver get away from me, and when a quarterback throws it, you know he better throw it. Hey, I'm just saying, hey, my arm's long enough, so I don't know where he could put it at, you feel me, that I can't get to, but but no, it's definitely a great tool for, for, for me. 
That day, you were one of the premier players on the field, and so was your future teammate, someone else who's enrolling early, Keandre Lambert. Man, and yeah. I think you two went toe-to-toe a few times, mm-hmm. and, and both mm-hmm. being top Virginia guys, I'm sure that wasn't the first time. What does he do? I mean, from your perspective, because it's a unique one, you're going to have to mm-hmm. deal with him on the practice field, but what are Big Ten cornerbacks going to be facing when they go up against Keandre Lambert the next three, four years of his career? They're going up with the excellent elite route runner. I mean, Keanu just, when he runs his route, he just takes his time with it. You know, he doesn't rush it. All his movements look like they pre-calculated, but no, he's just an, an elite route route runner, and he's going to go get the ball and make a play after the catch. So, yeah, he, he's a great receiver. They, they better be on, eight, on, uh, on all 10 because, you know, he's a great route runner. So, yeah. And you guys will be in the workout room together very soon, eventually the spring practice field. And for, for you, what are your initial expectations for your Penn State career here in 2020? I, I know you've probably got long-term ambitions, not just mm-hmm. in Happy Valley, but beyond that and the NFL and, and everything that may come with it. But right here, focusing on 2020, what do you have in mind? You know, I just have bettering myself as a, as a player, you know, getting in there, studying, learning, learning the whole playbook, you know, Building, you know, relationships with my teammates, you know, just being the best player I can be, putting on, you know, weight, just becoming a whole better player overall, you know, it's just it's one thing I'm, I'm really looking forward to. I'm assuming you've always had confidence in your ability as an athlete. I know you, you're a three-sport guy. Your dad was bragging about you to me uh, yesterday. <laughs> yeah. but, but in terms of football, when did it become clear to you that maybe it could take you places that were special? When, when did the college coaches start to really you know, poke their head into the situation? So hmm, when I thought it would be something special, it's, it's this real recent. My recruiting has, has spiked up in like the last two years, really. So it hasn't been a long time, but I, I always had confidence in myself and I always knew my abilities that, you know, I could definitely play on the elite level. But when as far as coaches started taking taking notice, I have to say at the end, the summer at the end of my junior year, I got my first two offers in like August. And then from February of last year, you know, it just took off. My recruit just took off. And that's when, you know, my my uh, confidence and everything has been confirmed. You know, like, yeah, I'm really, you know, that player and stuff and that's when they really started taking notice and usually like last february i had to say uh penn state among those teams that that extended a scholarship obviously and and what was your initial kind of uh conversation with the coaching staff and what did they sell you on over the course of the recruitment that began to convince you and your family that this was the right fit well i have to say for one they they never sold me on, on anything that's that's one thing that i fell in love with off of off rip is that you know, Coach Smith and Coach uh, Coach Franklin, they never tried to sell me anything. They just told me how it was, you know. They said, you got to come in, you know, you got to work, you got to earn it, and you feel me, and then you can be a big star. Big things will happen. You know, other schools, they wanted to sell, you know, you come here and do this, come here and do that, you know. Try to sound like straight salesmen, but, but you know, Penn State, they just sounded, you know, so genuine. Like, everything sounded so real, and, you know, they never tried to sell me. But um, when I first got up there, you know, I never really experienced. I've been on a couple of visits, but I had never really experienced anything as big, you know, and as official as Penn State. And it just changed my whole mind. I remember leaving with my mom, and I just told her, you know, I, I didn't want to leave. I wanted to stay. Um, I just had fell in love with it all, uh, uh, as soon as I touched down. But yeah, you know, they never really tried to sell me or anything. They just always, you know, enforced family, you know, work ethic. You know, and being a man, you know, and I love I loved all of those and my family loved all of those principles that uh, Coach Franklin really stressed. Yeah. 
you announced your commitment July 2nd, and that was in the middle of just a, a crazy time for Penn State recruiting. There was, I don't know, a dozen commitments between June and, and early July, and, and you were mm-hmm. part of that. What, what was it like to be in that whirlwind, watching the class grow, all of a sudden getting added to that text message thread <laughs> and, and, and having a bunch of new friends and, and future teammates all of a sudden? It was it was exciting, you know. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot definitely going on in the summer, like you said, with recruiting. But it was just, you know, a blur. It was just it was just fun, exciting, and new. You know, seeing all my future brothers and, and knowing that I'm 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 I'm, I'm in the right hands. You know, I'm in a great brotherhood. You know, it's just a blessing, and I was just so grateful for it. Now you got a chance to, to get to a whiteout game this year as a spectator. Uh, you'll get to play in that game someday. But what was it like being a commit? encountering fans i'm sure from what i've heard nitty lions fans are pretty good at identifying commits and recruits uh what was the environment like for you from your perspective because there's 108 109 people but there's only a very few of you who are representing the future of the football team mm-hmm. man it was that was for the whiteout game was actually my first ever penn state game man man just oh my god it blew me away i can't i can't how loud it was you know how many people it was the energy, you know, from the first snap, you know, us forcing the, uh, us forcing, I think, what was it, um, a delay a game penalty on the That's first right, play? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, you know, it was just crazy. So I just fell in love with it again. And I was just, I had a smile on my face. I just couldn't take the smile off the whole game. You know, I, I didn't even feel the cold anymore. I just, I was in love with it. It was a great experience. Now, you will be in Beaver Stadium in April for the blue-white game, which is going to be an exciting time for you. And then it gets really real in September when Kent State comes to town for the season opener. But an interesting thing here is the first road game for Penn State, you're heading home. I mean, you're heading back to your home state, Virginia Tech. I mean, how souped are you about that possibility? I'm assuming there's going to be quite a significant chunk of Penn State fans, uh, around Hokie fans, and uh, and I'm, I'm guessing the Johnsons are going to be part of that. Yeah, the Johnsons definitely will be a part of that. But, yeah, I'm super excited for that. Oh, my God. That's something Coach Franklin had um told me about in his office before I had committed. Oh, my God. That opportunity is going to be so crazy for me to come back home in my first year, you know, second game of the season and then play in front of everybody. So, yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to that. I can't wait for that. Now, obviously, it's not just you. It's Keandre Lambert. It's Brandon Smith. Yeah. It's Devin Ford. The mm-hmm. list goes on and on. I mean, Penn State has recruited so well. Ricky Slade, Akeem Beeman. Is there a noticeable buzz about Penn State football right now in the state of Virginia? Yes, sir. It's a pipeline. I mean, why wouldn't there be a buzz? You know, we're a great team, great values, you know, and we have a lot of people coming out locally and uh, statewide. So, yeah, it's definitely a, we're definitely trending up in the Virginia area. When you look at what awaits you at Penn State, what what do you feel like you come to campus with that makes you a college-ready player? And, and what are certain aspects where you feel like, I got to I gotta focus in here, I got to trust the process, and I got to get better if I want to see the field in 2020? I think I think that, that just involves my mindset, you know. I feel like what's up, what differenti- dif- differentiates me from, you know, a lot of other people is my mindset. You know, I'm coming in wanting to be the best, wanting to have all A's, wanting to finish first and everything you know it's just my mindset and the mentality definitely my support system back home so I, I definitely feel like my family is definitely going to help me along the way you know keep supporting me with, with what they do but yeah definitely my mentality and my mindset you know coming in 
Joe, let's put your position in the spotlight. Penn State's losing a, a fifth-year starter in John Reed, a guy who's been on campus for a long time, um, and, and he's he's off to the NFL, get his shot there. But Tariq Castro-Fields announced he's coming back. He's played a lot of football. Beyond that, though, there's a lot of young guys. You look at Keaton Ellis, and, and uh, you look at Marquise Wilson. They burned their red shirts this year. Joe Porter Jr., Daquan Hardy, they were redshirted this year. It, it's, a, it's an interesting room because of the youth there and because of the early experience. What do you make of the competition that awaits you? I just think, you know, we all going to make each other better, you know. With Tariq coming back, I definitely am grateful for that because, you know, that's senior leadership in the, in, the, in the room, and I can use him, you know, for, for knowledge. And I've been using the other corners before I came in for, uh, you know, for more knowledge and, you know, things that I can do and tips and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think definitely we're going to be able to – we're going to be competing and getting that and making each other better um, so we can have the best season that we can. What is the main message that Terry Smith tries to, to hammer home with you as, as you count down the days to getting to campus? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably just say, you know, he definitely has been stressing that playbook on me. You know, I, that's that's one of the things I can say. But no, he just everybody just anxious and getting me ready, getting ready for me to uh, get down there. You know, he just can't wait to get me in there and get me in the lab. You know, get get ready and get right for this for this upcoming season. But yeah, definitely a playbook. He's been stressing that on me. <laughs> a lot. Now, when you look at this Penn State defense in 2019 and what you saw in person and on television, how would you describe this Penn State defense? As an observer, I seen a defense that was just smart. I seen a really smart, a really hungry defense that really, you know, tenacious. They they went after it. I don't know if you saw what I saw, but every every snap, every down, you can see they was fighting for something, and I just loved that. You're going to be playing alongside a guy who people are going to start talking about him being a top five NFL draft pick. He's an All-American as a sophomore. You know where I'm going with this. Micah Parsons, that linebacker. Uh, you know, he was in your shoes a couple of years ago, getting ready to enroll early. And now here he is, one of the more recognizable players in, in all of college football. How excited are you, for one, to, to share the defense with him? And, and two, did he play a role when you were on campus? I mean, we've heard a lot about him being an active recruiter. I'm not sure if you had that experience. But if, if he was, I'd love to hear some examples. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, he definitely thinks that he's an active recruiter. When I was on my official visit, he was my host, and he definitely was telling me he had, uh, at the time, he only had bag one recruit, but he was talking, you know, like he was that dude, but no, he he, he had a big, i say he had a big influence on my uh commitment and, and, and stuff like that, but um, dang, but yeah, you know, I'm, ex- I'm so excited. I cannot wait to share the field with Mikey, you know, just because I know how smart he is, you know, how, how much of a dog he is, how much I can learn from him. I know he's going to make me a whole better player. So, you know, I'm just excited for the opportunity. I can't wait to play with him. I'm excited. Coach Franklin said this fall that he doesn't think he's met anyone who has more fun day to day than Micah Parsons. <laughs> you spent you spent 48 hours tagging along with him on campus. You don't mm-hmm. have to go into the details. Keep keep things where they need to be. But with <laughs> Micah Parsons as a person, as an ambassador of the program, how does he represent that to to a prospective student athlete like you when you're taking mm-hmm. a closer look at the program? Man, Micah is, is like is like the poster boy, poster child for Penn State football. It's everything that Coach Franklin preaches about. Micah does it and does it to his full, you know, potential. Micah is a great dude, you know, honest, you know, he works hard and you know, he's he's gonna be there for you. So yeah, he's just everything that Penn State is about is what Micah's about and that's a part of part of the reason why he's succeeding so much. 
Joe, when you get to uh, work with these early enrollees, are, do you already have a lot of established relationships with your class? You've been committed for, for I guess, six months now, so mm-hmm. a lot of time to have those conversations, get to campus a little bit. How much of a relationship do you have? You know, And in specific, uh, beside Enzo, are there guys that you've really become friends with before you even got to campus? Man, our, our um, relationships with all the recruits, you know, it's definitely been, we got close, you know, we talk almost on a daily um, between everybody and when we when we come up on visits you know we definitely all have a good time and communicate with each other but um you know me and Theo have a good relationship me and Nick me and Nick um actually uh plan on opening a chicken shop <laughs> up, in, up in our dorm up in Penn State but other uh yeah but no I have a great and Micah Micah uh, too but um yeah I have a great relationship with all the guys I say you know we are real close and you know we all have good relationships with each other. If you thought I'd just like move past the chicken shop comment, you'd be mistaken. Uh, first off, first off, Nick Dawkins is, is a frequent guest on the show. We enjoy the conversation every time we get, and I know that that he is seems to be the best friend of everybody in this recruiting class, no matter who you talk to. Anything, Give me the he's the number one recruiter over over Mike. There you go. Well, okay, well, the, pitch me on this chicken shop. What's the vision? So um, a while back when the Popeyes chicken sandwich first dropped. Um, I would probably go there almost all the time and put it on my snap. And Nick, you know, would comment on it and be like, gee, man, do you ever eat at home? You know, stuff like that. So, but yeah, we um eventually came up with this idea to open our own chicken shop and, you know, sell some of our own chicken sandwiches. So, yeah, hopefully that, you know, turns out well. <laughs> all right. If you get through the first couple of weeks and, and, and nobody's complaining of stomach pains, I might have to swing by <laughs> and try one of your sandwiches. Definitely do that. <laughs> Uh, I got two more questions for you, and, and, we'll, and we'll start with, with something that has nothing to do with football. What do you want to do as a student? Do you have a plan yet? And what are your hobbies? Uh, you know, what what are some things that have nothing to do with sports that that are really you know have a passion for? Let's see. Um, yeah, I definitely uh, have a plan for myself. Right now, I'm going in undecided. I'm between communication and business, but right now, I'm not sure. I really want to uh, become a realtor, so I might have to slide. The business route, but um, right now I'm not sure. <clears throat> but yeah, as far as hobbies and stuff go, I'm not. I'm I'm really a, a boring guy. I'm, I really don't do too much. Um, if I'm not working out, doing anything football related, you know, I'm sleeping. If I'm not, you know, resting, I'm up watching football or film. So you know, it's basically my life. You know, I don't really do too much. I don't party. I don't really go to go out too much. I have a small circle of close friends back home. But other than that, I'm I'm not really doing too much. I'm I'm on football football and sleep and eat basically uh now circling back you mentioned theo johnson as someone that 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 was one of your guys how exciting was it to get him on board obviously the class was pretty much set down the stretch and he was the one big fish out there everyone's Mm -hmm. waiting on were you working on that as a peer recruiter and what did it mean to get him on board late well of course i was working on it i was trying to get him um, when i seen when i seen him drop his top four is when i assume you know i hopped on his case but um yeah, um, when I when we got him, I had seen the announcements. I was watching watching his live actually. Um, seeing he, I knew, man, I knew he was gonna pick Penn State. I, I, I ain't have no doubt in my mind. But when I when I seen and I was just turned, <laughs> I was in a school actually, and I was like, yes, we got him, we got a tight end, we got him. And um, but yeah, you know, I'm really excited uh, to get Theo. You know, I feel like he could be a, a, a big weapon for us and in, in the future. You'll get a first-hand look on the practice field this spring, uh, working yes, up sir. working up against him on offense-defense drills. So I am done with the questions, but I want to give you an opportunity here, Joe, to 
what is your mission statement for you, for the class? You know, like I told you before the interview, we're not going to get a chance to speak with you for a little while once you get on campus. I look forward to doing that down the road and we'll say hello again soon. But for now, for our Penn State listeners out there who want to know what you're about, what this class is about, what's your message? Me and this class, you know, we're about business. We're trying to come and win a, win a national championship. You know, we're trying to come and win the Big Ten, trying to come and take over and trying to be the best uh, Penn State team ever. You know, so with that being said, you know, we just coming in with a mentality to, you know, to come in and work and come in and win, come in and fight. We ready. <laughs> Joe we Johnson. There, there you go. Joe Johnson, defensive back, Penn State freshman, a future chicken shop enterprise owner. And uh, we look forward to all that and more for you in Happy Valley. Thank you to you and uh, enjoy the, the final goodbyes with your family and you'll see them soon. For sure. No doubt. I appreciate it. Once again, a big shout out to guys like Joe Johnson and Theo Johnson who set aside time as they were getting ready to depart for campus and make this big leap uh, just to talk about things with us. Uh, Those conversations, I think, will go a long way for uh, our show, for our coverage here at Lions 24-7, and additionally for the fans out there who want to know a little bit more than the measurements and the jersey numbers and the recruit rankings. I think you got a pretty good sense of what Joe Johnson is all about, and uh, hopefully someday soon I'll get to try uh, one of those chicken sandwiches that him and Nick Dawkins are cooking up. Remember, you can catch us here once a week with a new episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Thank you to Sean Fitz. Thank you to you, our listeners, for joining us. I would anticipate there's a good chance we will get to get into another wide receiver coach conversation on our next episode, but nothing for sure yet, nothing imminent based on our reporting and, and what Sean has heard. But James Franklin typically doesn't let these vacancies stay open too long. So when there is breaking news to report on, you know we'll have you covered at Lines 24-7. For the moment, I'm Tyler Donahue. Again, on behalf of Sean Fitz, we wish you a great weekend ahead.